Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, I want to welcome everybody who's here. I want to welcome those who are streaming the service online. I want to encourage you to grab your notes. We're going to dive in. We are in week two of a series in our church right now. We're calling the series Scatter. Say it with me. Scatter. Not scattered, but scatter. And uh, what we're doing in this series is we're talking about, uh, we're using the month of November to sort of highlight some of the mission and some of the ministry that, that is happening uh, here and around the world as a result of your effort and as a result of Community of Hope. So we decided a while back to take November as an opportunity to just uh, talk about these kinds of things. Um, many of you know that we get to the end of the month, we're, uh, we're going to be moving into the Christmas season. How many of you all are ready for Christmas? Good gracious right? I mean, you know, we got up this morning, it was fall, it was 84 degrees outside. It's like, wow, there's like, the winter is here, everybody. And uh, so uh, we use the end of November, we're going to start talking about this huge missions offering that we're going to take at all of our Christmas Eve services that will go to support all the mission ministry that you see going on right now. So we're going to be highlighting that uh, through the month. We're inviting everybody in to have a conversation. And so that's what we're doing. Now, if you're with us last week, we began, I shared with you a little secret. I told you, first of all, a uh, little practice that I've been involved in uh, that, in, that involves the uh, theme verse or the memory verse for this series. And I'm going to put it on the screen. We're going to read this out loud, really like just loudly. We're going to read it loudly. Ready? Go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. So I shared with those who were with me last week that uh, one of the things that I've been doing the last couple of years, many on our staff been doing, we put an alarm in our phone at 10.02 a.m., and when it goes off, we pray this prayer. And we say, Lord, you know, Lord of the harvest, send workers out into the harvest field. And many of you did that. In fact, how many of you did that? You put the alarm on your phone. You know why I know that? Because I got 900 of you that text me. So right now, take your phone out and take it out of your phone right now. No, just kidding. But um, yeah, I'm grateful for that. If you haven't done that, set that alarm. And we're just praying for the Lord to do some neat things and some new things uh, right now in our church. So if you're with us last week, uh, we began the series and we're going to be talking about harvest and we're going to be talking about seeds. And we began uh, last week by uh, looking at, I think, probably what is the most popular uh, verse of scripture around this, which is the parable of the sower. And uh, we looked at that, if you were with us, we looked at it in really a, kind of the conventional way. We typically think of it as uh, around the soil. And we normally think about it. In fact, sometimes it's even referred to as the parable of the soils. And so if you were with us last week we were taking, and you were taking notes, um, we said that you know the soil sort of represents the human heart. And if God's heart, uh, and if our heart is going to grow uh, around the things of God, there's some things we're going to do. And, and I just shared with you these things. I said, first thing we have to do is cultivate an open mind. And uh, you know I think God does a lot when we sort of step aside 
of you know all of our questions. We step outside of all of the stuff that we're not sure about, and we just come into a space like this, everyone, and we sort of manifest just an open mind and an open heart. And when we do that, here's the interesting thing. God, by the power of his spirit, because God is here, right? And because God is here, God begins to manifest his presence in a powerful way. And so many of us, um, you know, we're really challenged by that, just cultivating uh, an open mind, cultivating an open heart. We said, secondly, if you were here, we said, you got to allocate some time to listen. And, and there are a lot of voices that are going on in our culture. Here's what I want to remind everybody. There are a lot of competing voices going on in our culture. And sometimes what we have to do is not only cultivate an open mind, we have to... Um, we have to allocate a time to listen. I was reading this week, even in a passage of Scripture, where, where Eli, who was a, te- uh, a priest serving in the temple, and uh, you know, there's this wonderful moment where, where in the quietness of his heart, he hears God calling to him. And so he opens his mind, and he says, and he said this, I think a great prayer, he said, Lord, he said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And I thought, wow, that's a real pow- that's a powerful image. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to learn to kind of turn down some of the other voices we hear and invite God by the power of his spirit to make his voice louder so that we can hear him. And then thirdly, we said this, you're going to have to learn how to eliminate the distractions. Uh, I, I think of it this way. Sometimes I got to say no to good things so that I might even experience a better thing. And sometimes in my own life, you know, um, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good things going on. But every now and again, what I got to do is I got to go, Lord, I, I need, I need something different from that. And a lot of us are, are moving into these spaces. So if you're here today and you're, and you're, you know, this is new to you or you're listening online and this is new to you, this is, this is how we begin in many ways. I think a relationship with the living God. We, we cultivate an open mind. We allocate some time to listen. We eliminate some distractions. And the Bible says that God just begins to manifest himself uh, in our lives. He will honor that prayer. That's a good thing to do. And so um, we're using that, you know, in a way we said, okay, that's the conventional way to look at it. But here's the interesting thing we said, this is not only just a parable about the soils, it's also a parable about the sower. And we said this, the, the whole parable begins, a farmer went out to sow seed. And as he was scattering seed, and this is what we learned, God throws seed everywhere. And so this is the kind of idea. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to I want to push our conversation uh, into a bit of a different space, and I, I wanna I wanna invite you in. We're gonna pick up sort of with that narrative. We're gonna pick up with that idea, and we're gonna push into a little bit of a different space. Now, here's the thing I want to say. This has got some challenge to it. Anybody want to be challenged this morning? This is not this is not church light today. We're gonna go level two. Who wants to go level two? Okay, you're here for another. You know, I'm doing it anyway. Okay. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, this is what we need to know about this. Um, scholars think Paul actually wrote three letters to this uh, sometimes awkward, sometimes weird church. Okay, uh, you know, uh, I've heard it said this, that every pastor ought to, ought to pastor one difficult church in their ministry. It'll be good for them. This was Paul's difficult church. And so scholars believe that he actually wrote three letters. We lost a letter to history, so we only have two. So we don't know whether, whether this is really letter two or letter three, but it's uh, in the Bible, it's the first of two letters. So 
Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 is, is addressing this church and he's talking to them about how to grow up in their faith. And this is how he begins it, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, brothers and sisters, I, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. He goes on, he says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and then another one says, well, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God is the one who is making it grow. And so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters really is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The, the one who plants and the one who waters, they have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. Interesting. We are, you are God's field, God's building. Now by the grace of God... The grace has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, uh, challenging words today, and so I pray, God, that you would uh, give us a capacity uh, to have not only just our mind stretched, but Lord, give us, give us a capacity in this space to stretch our heart so that we may become more receptive as to what it means for us to live out a faith that is compelling in a generation that seems to have lost its way. This we pray in the name of Christ, who is our Lord. And everybody said, amen. amen. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in this passage of scripture. I think about this every now and again when we do series because uh, the series itself will draw us toward passages that are, are like lesser uh, preached passages. So there are these uh, you know, letters, there are these words, there are these paragraphs, there's these narratives that, that are the ones that are, that are, are preached you know, far less than others. We look at the parable of the sower. Everybody's probably heard a message on that. We get to 1 Corinthians 3. This is not one that makes the all-time top 10 list. There's a lot of challenge here, a lot of things going on. It's interesting. We have a process that works on this, and we put the series together quite some time out, and then eventually what we do is we get to the space where we begin to sort of put things together, and we start to dream together. And, and what I've done is I've included anybody who's preaching uh, on a weekend in one of the sites. So typically it's Pastor Trevor and Pastor Ephraim, and, and I will come together. Or, uh, you know, if uh, like recently we just had Eric and we had Rebecca preaching. How about them? Didn't they do a great job for us? Yeah. And so we'll, we'll come to this table. We start working on all this stuff. And so we do all that together, but it's normally my job to title the message. 
And sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't, sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes people meet me in the lobby and they go, I don't, I don't really think that makes any sense and help me out with that. And uh, this was one that I had a hard time figuring out what to title it. And I thought, uh, over the last three weeks, I've thought of seed time and harvest. I thought about calling it plant it. I called it, thought about calling it zip it. I thought about calling it grow up. Trevor reminded me that I've preached nine messages entitled grow up. <laughs> I told him to grow up when he said that. And then I, I just couldn't figure it out. And I, and I finally, I reached out to Beth. I said, I don't really know what to title this message. And Beth said, I know. She said, she's a farmer's daughter. She said, call it this, grab your rake and get your hoe. <laughs> and I said, I don't think that's a good, let's don't use that. And so she called me back an hour later and she said, let's call, what about can you dig it? And I went, that's good. And, and so that's a, that's a good message. So Paul is talking about some things, and there's some challenge. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, we have to reach a place, he said, where we resist a popularity contest, and we move into the deeper spaces of our faith. And what Paul is saying, it's sort of interesting. You can, you can almost hear him saying this. He's saying, it's time for many of you, he says, to move to deeper water. It's time to pick your team and play on your team. And, and this is where the challenge uh, begins to come in. And if you were with me last week, I, I shared an interesting statistic that is right now unfolding in Palm Beach County. It's a challenge. And, and I'm intrigued by it, and, 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 and uh, maybe you're intrigued by this too. I, this is what I said if you were with me last week. I said, so right now in Palm Beach County, about a million four hundred thousand people, plus or minus. Million four. That's a, that's a big county, right? And then uh, within that million four, only one in 11 will ever walk into a church, ever. This is what they're studying right now. So the best we could ever do in Palm Beach County, I said, is about 172K, give or take. And then I looked at the number of churches that are in Palm Beach County, and the ones that are named are 586, or 586 churches in Palm Beach County. So I took 586, put it in 172, comes out with around 216. So if we're going to get all we're, we're going to be able to get that'll ever give what we're doing right now a try... Uh, every church, then, if we're going to fulfill that mission, let's say, every church would have 216 people in it. But the average size church across America is about 70 people. So that doesn't feel like a harvest. And so Paul is inviting us into, uh, if you'll allow me to do this this morning, a little bit of a deeper conversation about what it looks like to plant seed and to water and to harvest. And, and that's, I think that's an important conversation for us to have. Uh, and, and so, I, you know, in that thought and, and, and with that uh, as a backdrop, uh, I've been spending some time in this text and there's some observations that I want to share with you. And again, there's some challenge to this. This is a little bit of a level two deal. 
And, uh, and so if you're taking notes, you know, maybe you'd be interested to know, um, this is where I feel like the Lord has led me. The one thing, it's interesting, here they are talking and, 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 and conspiring about who they're going to follow. Some are going to follow Paul. Some are going to follow Apollos. And they're going to they're have this uh, popularity contest. And Paul cuts through all of this. And the first thing I notice that he, that he says, both about himself and about his co-labor, Apollos, is simply this, we're working, you need to work. And this is the idea. Everybody's working. And so I notice this uh, in, in verses 4 through 6, sort of interesting. He says, when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Now, he's including himself in that. What, after all, is Apollos? And, and what is Paul actually? Really, only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord is assigned to each his task. I plant, Apollos waters, but God is making it grow. There's like the heart of that passage of Scripture right there. Now, this has relevance to all of us because this is what I was thinking. Um, little little side illustration. Many of you know that I, I like to work with my hands. So much of what I do, you know, in the ministry is not working with your hands. So when when I'm not working in the ministry, I like to work with my hands. I like to work with wood. This is something that I enjoy doing, and I've honed this skill over the years. I'm not really good at it, but I'm. It's fun, and I like it. Only normally when I do it, I tend to injure myself. Can I just say? <laughs> and uh, years ago, when, when I started getting into this, um, you know, Beth, and, and this finally drove her crazy, but, but, you know, she will let me do that some on Friday. Friday's my day off. I'm kind of working, doing that. And I would just send her a text, which I understand is kind of concerning as a spouse to get. I would send her a text and say, are there Band-Aids in the house? And, 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 and I would do that and Beth would, you know, call me immediately and she'd say, you know, are there fingers on the ground? I mean, how bad is it? This sort of thing, you know? And so uh, after a while, I, I, we, we have now settled on a new thing. I don't any longer ask her for band-aids. I just send her a text that looks like that. <laughs> that is the universal symbol in my house of bring the band-aids home. I have injured myself. And so Beth would tell you, Beth would tell you at the lock house that the most dangerous things are in the garage. But here's what I want us to consider for a moment. I think when it comes to our faith, the most dangerous thing is the thing you're sitting on. Now, here's what I want to say. And again, this is where some of the challenge is going to enter the room just for a moment. And you've already given me permission to do it. What we're doing right now is so powerful and so beautiful. Uh, and, and this is part of God's design. You know, we, we wrestle sometimes with, with the church, but the church was God's idea. We always have to remember that. And this morning, even when we were singing that wonderful song about the battle being won and it's over, I don't know about you, every now and again, do you ever look at the news and go, what a mess? How's this going to end? I want to tell you how it's going to end. God wins. Amen. He wins. Part, part of the unfolding redemptive drama is the idea that God takes ashes and he restores things to their original glory. And part of the reason I'm in the ministry, I, honestly, y'all, is because I just have seen him do it over and over and over and over again. One of the wonderful privileges I have in being a pastor of, 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 of a church like this a church that doesn't fake it is that is that I know so many stories in this room where God is doing redemptive work. Some of you have been invited to this church by people 
for whom God has done a restoration kind of project. And, and you're sitting here right now, you're listening to me, and you're going, can, can God do a restoration project in my life too? And here's what I want to tell you. Yes and amen to that. He can, he will. You keep coming, you keep depending on him. And so really what I want to say in this space is there's something very beautiful, there's something very spirit-driven, very powerful about this, but, but here's what I want you to remember. This is not the sum total of the Christian experience. This is not all there is. And part of our work, after we've been in the seat for a while, watch this, y'all, it's to get out of the seat, and it's to go to the field, and it's to plant the seed. You're here today because someone has done that for you. Amen? And so this is kind of an important lesson. This is, this is an important thing that, that I, I believe what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, you know what, can we just not... Can we just not have a popularity contest between uh, pastors? Can we not have a popularity contest between uh, churches? Can we all pick our team and play on our team? Yes. Because there's something really powerful that needs to happen in our community. And so, you know, it's interesting right now, I'll just say as a side note, we are, um, we are inviting everybody at our church into a conversation we're going to have on the 19th. We're just calling it, for lack of a better term, we're saying it's going to be town hall meeting. And we're going to talk about some new things. Uh, we've, 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 been, we've been dreaming about some new things. We've been dreaming about using some of our property to grow vegetables to help feed the poor in our area and, and starting a community garden. We've, we've been dreaming about, um, we, have, we have several uh, small groups that often listen via online uh, you know, to the streaming that are, that are now fairly large small groups and, and some of them not even in our county. There's a county to our north where one of them is. There's a county to our west where another one is. And we started asking ourselves some questions. What if we were to start some micro campuses in those communities? So rather than those being small groups, what if, what if we were to fashion a way where, where those groups could get together and we figure out a way that they would do church community of hope style and, 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 and begin to plant seed in, in their respective areas so that we can continue to unfold the mission and the ministry of our church, right? Uh, some of us have become very impassioned over recent years about the foster care uh, situation. We've been, we've been saying here in Palm Beach County that the number of kids in fo- foster care directly relates to the number of churches here in Palm Beach County. And if we, if every church in Palm Beach County just did, uh, had a foster care relationship with one child, we would eliminate foster care in Palm Beach County. Think about that. And, and then, and then some of us have been, um, uh, thinking about, uh, in, in terms of, you know, what's just fallen right off the front page of the news in our county in the last year or so. We've been, we've been looking at the plight of human trafficking in Palm Beach County and we've been saying, not in our town. I thought that should get a bigger amen than that. And, and so, so, you know, what we want to do is we want to, and we want to just have a conversation. And so the only thing I know to do is, is host an evening where we begin to have a conversation about this stuff. Listen, if you come in the 19th, we haven't got it all figured out yet. We're going to figure it out together. But here's part of the challenge that I want to say to you. If, if we're going to do that, here's the thing. More of us are going to have to get up out of our seats and, and get out into the field. We, we can't add what we're doing until we add some people to those deals. So, so here's my gentle nudge to many of us in the room. It, it's time to take the next turn 
and begin to give back to God in a bigger way. That's what we need to do. Golf clap. Let me, let me say that again. It's time for more of us to get out of our seats and get into the field. Amen. Oh, okay. For, for a moment there, I thought I was in another church. That sounds like community. Oh, okay. So Paul is saying everybody's working. And then, then this is interesting. And, and I want you to notice this. I want to key in on one verse. Here's what I think is, is very unique about this passage of scripture. Not only he says, is everyone working? He's saying everybody has a role to play. There's a role that every one of us plays. Now, here's what I find is kind of funny. Um, what I find that's funny is that, that, that there's an argument in this early church about um, planting and watering as though they're in competition with one another. Do you notice that? And Paul is simply saying this, that's not a competition. That's part of the same thing. And I notice that if you're, if you're uh, looking at the scriptures there like I am, I notice that primarily happening in verse five. It says this, what after all, he says, is Apollos? Now, what after all is Paul? These, these, these people, he's including himself, we're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each one his task. I'm intrigued by that. In other words, watch this. We all have a role to play. None more important than another. We're just all doing the thing together and God's gonna get his work done. I, I can still remember What's so cool for me right now, it's hard not to get emotional about it, is this was on our East Campus, which, which who would have ever thought? But I still remember as a young boy when I was attending our East Campus, as, as an attendee like you are, and, and God began to get a hold of my heart and say some things to me, and I began to think about, you know, using my life for God's glory and, and, and Christian service. And I'll never forget the pastor that was mentoring me that told me, you know what, you can do things for the Lord. God, God could use you. And I want to tell you how I heard that. I felt like I heard this, God could use even you. <laughs> you ever feel that way? Sometimes you go like, I mean, wait a minute, like even me? Yes, God can use even you. He's just looking for the heart with the hand up. And, and, and I, I will never forget, you know, how that felt to me. Uh, and, and it just, I don't know, it, it, there's something about thinking about the fact that God would choose to use you for his purposes in the world. Uh, right now, it's interesting. I always look at these sort of things as a pastor. I've been studying that um, sociologists are trying to get their arms around the epidemic levels of hopelessness that are unfolding in our culture right now. How many of you can, you can feel it sometimes? And uh, I was talking with someone a while back who was struggling, and um, they were talking about, you know, a friend that they knew uh, who had a, a young man who's in their family. And, and, and this is how they said, they were saying to me, they said, you know, it's sort of weird that, that, um, you know, you, you graduate high school and you kind of come off the conveyor and you fall into the basket and you struggle because you don't know what you're going to do in the world. And there was a time when, when, you know, sociologists were looking at that. And now it's sort of interesting they're, they're studying now when, when kids get through with college and they fall off the conveyor belt into the basket and they don't exactly know what they're going to be doing 
with their lives. And, and, and there's a tremendous amount of, of, of hopelessness that's going on. We're seeing all these things that are happening in our culture, the uprise and, uh, and the uptick of all these, all these many different things. I remember reading a book a few years ago uh, by Patrick Lencioni. I want to show it to you. It's a book he called Three Signs of a Miserable Job. And uh, it's sort of an interesting thing, but it, the book went in a very different way than what you might imagine. And he said that, uh, interestingly, that, that feeds into this idea of hopelessness, as he said, where they're now studying, the table group is studying how many people work and they're struggling in three areas. One, he says, is anonymity. The idea that, you know, what I'm doing, that I'm not known, that nobody knows me. They don't, they don't even know my name. I'm just like, I'm to, you know, make the widget. The widget falls in the basket. I turn around and make another one. I just go on day in, day out, grind, grind. And then he talks about this. Not only is it anonymity, he said, um, many struggle with the idea of irrelevance, that what they're actually doing doesn't really matter in the long term. And then the third one he references what he calls immeasurement. And then he said, and then he said this, and a measurement is he said that, that because he said, we have discovered, like it's a new discovery, listen to this, we've discovered that everybody wants to contribute to something larger than themselves in a meaningful way. Now, can I just hit the pause button and tell you right there when I heard that? You know what I thought? I thought that uh, when Solomon was writing centuries ago, he said something that is one of my favorite verses in all his writings. Solomon said that God has placed eternity in the human heart. What's he saying? We're, we're all wired to play in a bigger field. We're all wired to do things that matter, that'll live on. I, I remember Tony Campolo, maybe you remember this study years ago, he, he took a group of 50, 90-year-old people, and he said, if you had life to live all over again, what would you do? And he said, we, we, took, we pulled these people. Here's what they said. I, I would, uh, if I had life to do over again, I would, I would reflect more. I would just stop, and I would reflect more about what my life is standing for. Then they said, what else would you do? They said, I would risk more. I, I, I would take bigger risks than I did. And then they said this, I would do more things that will live on after I'm gone. I don't need to remind everybody in this room, the mortality rate is hovering at 100%. Some of you are going. Okay, Here's what that means. You, you didn't come here to stay. Newsflash. We didn't come here to stay. We're here to make a difference. Sort of interesting. So, so Paul is saying this. He's saying, really, it, it, there's soil that we put seed in, and, and that's not in competition with water. Water has a role to play. Soil has a role to play. And both of them are required when we plant a seed. And so I got some seeds here, and I want you, Josh, show the picture of how small the seeds are. That's a, 
That's a, I think that's a quarter and a penny. And uh, that shows you how, see, how small these seeds are. But, uh, but I want to tell you what these seeds actually are. They're seeds that grow this. I ordered sequoia seeds. And these are the biggest trees in the world. Uh, and they grow to over 300 feet tall. Uh, they're so beautiful and so unique, uh, we named a national park after them. And one tree will yield as many as 8,000 seeds that are as tall or as small as the head of a pin. And so Paul is saying this, you know, our job is to plant seeds. And, and when we plant seeds and when, whether we're watering or whether we're, you know, um, planting in the soil, that's our job. But then he says one other thing that's just really powerful, and it's this if you want to take it down, and that is that God creates the growth. There was a time in my life when I wanted to do uh, great things for God. And I don't know whether it's just because I'm getting older. Now I just want to do things for a great God, which is different. And I want to invite you to do that too. And I want to, and, and part of the way we do that is with our own lives. You, you're here this morning because somebody took a real small seed and they invested in you. And that seed has come to bear and you've given your life to Christ. But in our town, there's a million four hundred thousand people. And the best we could ever do, they would tell us in conventional wisdom, is 172,000. I think God could do better than that. And so we have to get out of our seats. And we have to get out in the field. And this is what God is calling us to do. Would you pray with me? Lord, first of all, I think what we want to say is thank you. We want to say thank you that somebody has invested in our lives in a way that God, a seed was planted and a seed is growing. And so God, um, I just want to give space for anybody online or anybody in this, in this space right now to, you know, just in their mind and heart, say thank you over the name of the person who has planted the good seed in our heart. So would you just in quietness of your own heart, take a moment to, by name, thank the Lord for that person or those people. And now, Holy Spirit, would you help us as we navigate our next step to be the kinds of people who now plant seeds for others? God, would you remove what you need to remove? Would you give courage? Would you give capacity and creativity? Would you 
bless the ministry of our church, the conversations we're having that we need to have about what it means, Lord, as we, you know, in some ways tune our game still yet again for the field that you have planted this church in. That when you're doing your work in the world and you look to this part of your vineyard, you would see our church. You would see our raised hands and that we might be a part of your unfolding mission. This we pray in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, who is our Lord. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Go in his grace. We'll see you next week.